Good evening and welcome to Cheater and the Rude. Oh yeah, we are coming to you on the Progressive Radio Network. Progressive Radio Network, we are moving because we got flooded out by frozen pipes that broke because our landlord was negligent. We hope you will come with us. Progressive Radio Network, we are moving to a web-based system of, uh, what do you call it, when people consume stuff, consumption of ideas and identities and uh, information. We hope that you will log on with us. Progressive Radio Network. What's up, yo? I should write slogans, shouldn't I? I feel like that would be uh, an appropriate use of my time. But hey, listen, not everyone uh, gets to do what they want. Not everyone gets to pursue their dreams like we do here on the Progressive Radio Network. Hi, I am Jeff Chrysler, author of the book Get Rich Cheating. You can see all my stuff at jeffchrysler.com, K-R-E-I-S-L-E-R. And joining us in absentia is... The Rude Pundit, uh, who writes rudepundit.blogspot.com. And don't think it's just a blog. It's had some interest in some very high-powered people, like Jeff Chrysler and The Rude Pundit. No, seriously, it's uh, The Rude Pundit. He's going places. He hopes that you forget about it. Uh, look, there's a lot happening, so we're going to discuss some of it. I also have a nice interview coming up in a minute with Ahmed Ahmed, the star of a uh, new controversial yet entertaining uh, comedy video. It's it's called The Secret Diaries of a Terrorist. It's on the final edition.com. And it takes a unique approach to terrorism and to religious identity. And, And in a way, it overplays the stereotypes in order to challenge those that hold those stereotypes to be real, um, to reassess those very stereotypes. Because if you believe that you know all Muslims are these horrible creatures, then you must believe the things that are in the video. Anyway, Ahmed Ahmed is a, a, one of the leading Muslim-American comedians, and his involvement was key. We'll talk to him a little bit about that. But first, let's look at some cheerier news, like those uh, kids from SAE, Sigma Alpha Epsilon, or as... We've always known them same a-holes everywhere. You can say a-hole on PRN, right? It's all acronyms. Uh, who were caught on video chanting some not-so-pleasant things, using some not-so-pleasant terminology, suggesting that uh, they would never be a ninja in SAE. And ninja, of course, is standing in for a word I choose not to ever say. Um... But ninjas, I guess, work too because they're secretive and stealthy and why would they want to join a club like that? Um, There's also references to lynching and a good time. The best, one of the weirdest things about the video to me was that they were all, it was like some sort of date. Like they were all going to a formal. Like the person that taped this was one of the women. Like the the lack of, the lack of a lot of things um, is shocking. But the lack of social work, the fact that, the fact that you think that you're close with a group of white, southern, spoiled, rich friends would think it's okay to say this, is one level of horror, um, and disconnect from society, but then to think that, like, it's gonna be a form of aphrodisiac for, um, for other people, is just another, is another level of, uh, of stupid, um, racism has never been, 
an aphrodisiac. Um, actually, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to say that's true because I'm sure there's a point where racism was an aphrodisiac. But I'm happy to report that it is no longer so for 100% of the people. That's at least one woman on that bus that found it uh, repulsive. Good for her. Good for her. You know what? And here's the thing. Today, or I guess yesterday, when you listen to this, Bill Crystal had his usual idiotic statement that it was, that rap music was to blame. And I just find this blame-shifting and victimization um, to be ironic, but not unexpected coming from the right. You know, they're the party of personal responsibility and parental involvement. And yet when something actually happens to their own, then they make a mistake. Then it's time to shift the blame. Classy. And I must say tongue-in-cheek, I don't know why everyone is so upset about uh, Sigma Alpha Epsilon. America's not a fraternity. Sure, we glorify pleasure, are obsessed by sex and alcohol, waste intellectual resources, objectify women, create the illusion of meritocracy while reinforcing established social strata, and our leaders are chosen according to popularity by their brothers and secret councils of elders. Like in the 2000 election. But it's not like we all wear bow ties. Or anything like that. Yeah. There's reasons why it strikes a chord. There's reasons why we cringe. There's reasons why we wonder if it signals the beginning of the end. It's S.A.E. Those guys are jerks. Let's punch them in the face. No, let's do better. Let's put them on the interspace. Yeah, let's get them shamed. And let's get them lawyered up. And let's get them wondering what they've done. What they've done. Is made a mistake and they'll find that they'll pay for it, much like people in lower economics classes pay for mistakes all the time and yet are judged by these very same people or their parents or brothers and cousins and uncles as being less than. You make one mistake, then you're in the vortex of the criminal justice system. If you're black or you're poor or any kind of minority, or you don't have the connections or resources to get out of Ferguson. But if you're white and lily, and you went to Oklahoma, and joined a fraternity like SAE, then you're probably going to walk so free. I was wondering if the sirens in the background would end while I was holding that note. And unfortunately they didn't. But that is the problem with the kids today is they are entitled little dicks yeah i've become that old guy and you know what that actually reminds me about something uh, that i was thinking about recently um this whole uh advanced placement history kerfuffle do you guys know what i'm talking about how these different uh places states are you know trying to you know, to deny the uh, AP history suggestions. I was actually, I'm actually going to Colorado to perform comedy. Yeah, that's right. You can hire me. You can pay me money to come perform comedy. It's not just this free listening crap you do. Um, I was researching my trip to Colorado, and I saw that Jefferson County, Colorado, which includes like Columbine and Denver, uh, I saw that they recently proposed new guidelines to make those AP U.S. history courses more focused on patriotism, respect, and, quote, American exceptionalism. Oh, I love that phrase. In response to this move by the county, 
A bunch of students at several schools walked out of class in protest last fall. I remember hearing about the story, but I didn't look at it closely. The fact that kids walked out of school in protest. And to that, I say, I am sick and tired of these rotten, ungrateful kids who think they have some say in their own future. The world, they're lucky that we let them learn anything at all. Someone should remind these brats that there is no right to education granted in the current Constitution. No, none at all. The Founding Fathers figured school wasn't as important as combating tyranny, uh, brewing quality tea, and assuring the votes of two-fifths of their slaves. For centuries, women, minorities, and the poor couldn't even get any education at all. And the U.S. turned out just fine, don't you think? Or do you hate George Washington and apple pie? Now, these dumb little pituitary monsters in Denver are complaining about the type of education they get for free. The nerve of them! Yeah, I called our kids dumb. Because they are dumb. Most of them can't believe it's not butter. On average, American kids are a year behind their foreign peers in math and science, so they're certainly decades ahead in body mass index. President Obama recently called the U.S.'s horrid test scores our, quote, Sputnik moment. Unfortunately, that doesn't mean we're going to blast our dumb kids into space. Whose fault is it that the kids are dumb? The teachers? The politicians? The taxpayers? The parents? Ha! No. I choose to blame the kids because that's easier. I'm over it. I'm over the coddling. We've given these kids too much leeway, too many chances to wander down fruitless intellectual hallways seeking fruitless intellectual truths. They're spending too much time questioning authority and too little time respecting it. School shouldn't be a place to learn critical thinking. That only leads to thoughtful protests and well-conceived action and tickets to Burning Man. School should be simply a factory where we assemble future loyal employees, consumers, and marketing executives to feed the money-making machine that is true American exceptionalism. So, with that in mind, here are a few proposals I have, not just for advanced placement curriculum, but all curriculum, grades K through minimum wage. K through minimum wage. K through minimum wage. Teachers should eliminate any reference to depressing truth slash lies about America. Depressed kids don't buy as much stuff. So let's just not talk about sad things like Native American genocide, nor internment, nor war profiteering, nor women's suffrage. Just, shh, yeah, I almost said waffeteering. I don't know what a waffeteer is. Somebody who takes advantage of waffles. Our kids should memorize that noble... Memorize the noble adventures of true patriots like Standard Oil, AIG, Enron, and the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Textbooks should be rewritten to reflect the tragic impact of child labor laws, show NAFTA winning the Vietnam War, and explain how the ACLU killed Santa Claus. Preschoolers should only be given debit cards. High limit credit cards should not be mandatory until third grade. Advanced placement classes should help kids learn to make change, not pursue change, how to work in customer service, and how to sign predatory lending documents. And lessons at all grades should focus on identifying and being obsessed with money and the material things they can buy. 
and also how to get thankless jobs to pay for those things to ensure economic slavery. Now look, I'm sure this seems extreme to some of my listeners. You worry about condemning our kids to lives of mindless toil and consumption. Well, they should have thought about that before they chose to be born. But don't be afraid, parents. Don't give in to your fear. What if Columbus had given in to his fear? We have never discovered this great, basically uninhabited land. By teaching kids to become unquestioning cogs in a massive economic machine, we'll remove critical thinking from their brains, leaving more room for more exceptionalism, more patriotism, more America. And after all, more is just an anagram for Rome. And don't we want our children's future to burn as brightly as the great Republic of Rome? The preceding was a piece of satire brought to you by Cheater and the Rude on the Progressive Radio Network. We're moving sideways. Please watch out. Look out. Excuse me. Clear a little space. Pardon me. Excuse me. Clear a little space. Pardon me. Excuse me. Clear a little space. So, that happened. Vanilla Ice got arrested for breaking into a home. You know, trying to, uh... Steal some stuff. You know what? It was in Florida. If you really want to make money off the home, you would have... You sold it. Commoditized it. You know what I'm saying? Stuff about the Oscars, the Keystone Pipeline, uh, this thing called Vicemo. There's a lot of things in the news, but... You know, let's take a few minutes. Let's take a few seconds. Not, not a few minutes. Just take a few seconds. We're going to catch our breath. And, uh, well, I'm going to catch my breath, and I'm going to get this interview with Ahmed. Ahmed, I think you'll enjoy. Um, I said my piece a little bit about some of the stuff. We'll be right back. Now, try new stuff! Uh, just cheater on the root, Progressive Radio Network. I want a commander-in-chief who will do everything in their power to ensure that the threat from radical Islamic terrorists do not wash up in American soil. We will have someone who leads. If I can take on 100,000 protesters, I can do the same across the world. Instead, we're going to be talking with a very funny, very smart, very wonderful man. Ahmed Ahmed is a well-known comedian to anybody that knows comedy. Uh, One thing I didn't know until I was looking at your bio today is that Ahmed Ahmed won the Edinburgh uh, Festival's Richard Pryor Award, which is very cool. Um, I think that we all have great reverence for Richard Pryor's comedy, and we all now have great reverence for Ahmed Ahmed's comedy. He is the star of the final edition's new web series, The Secret Diaries of a Terrorist, and he joined us today from Los Angeles. Ahmed, you're on the line with me, Jeff, and Tony Hendra. Welcome. Hey, what's up, Jeff? What's up, Tony? Thanks for having me on your show. Delighted. Delighted. Uh, And and thanks for all the nice, uh, kind words, man. That's I'm flattered. I didn't know what, no one's ever said things like that to me that nicely. Yeah, well, <laughs> as a comedian, I understand well, no. the value of occasional positive reinforcement <laughs> because right. it's very you rare. Get so much negative. Every once in a while, it's like, oh, this guy's really cool. It's like, okay, thanks. Don't worry. I'll, I'll call you a jerk when we're off there. Um, <laughs> So I want to uh, I want to jump right into uh, talking about this this series that we did or this video shoot that we did. 
you know, you and I had a, a good long talk about whether or not you were going to be involved with it. And I'm wondering have you, if you've gotten much feedback either before when you shared the script with people uh, or since it's come out. And uh, just a quick background for people listening. It's a, it's a web series called The Secret Diaries of a Terrorist. Uh, Ahmed plays Mustafa, the head of a sitcom family. Uh, it's very funny. Uh, but, of course, some might find some issues involved regarding the treatment of terrorism and certain topics such as uh, Muslim identity and even their jokes about Jews. Um, and particularly in light of the reaction that Saturday Night Live just got about a fairly tame sketch involving ISIS. And Ahmed is a Muslim American, and I am just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what your experience was putting together that video. Well, I remember um, my agent had said, that, you know, there's this project that they're doing in New York, and it's a pilot for a web series, and um, <clears throat> they kind of explained it to me, and I said, well, you know, send me the script and let me and read it. And so I did, and I laughed out loud. Um, there were a couple of lines in there that I was I that I shouldn't have been offended by, but I just felt like it's a little offensive, and so I worry a little bit, like oh, this might be too much, it might be crossing the line a little bit too much. And um, I think when you're coming out of the gate with projects like this, you have to trust the writing and the people behind it um, that it's their voice and it's you know it, it's ultimately and and originally you know their voice and their words, so. You know, actors are people who bring those words alive. And, and I remember we had had a discussion about one particular line, which I just didn't feel comfortable saying. And when I read the script overall to not only just regular, just, you know, Anglo-Americans, I, I would, you know, I remember reading the script out loud to my friend's mother, who's a traditional, you know, older Egyptian woman. And she was laughing out loud, like everything. So I thought, all right, well, if she, I go, if she gets it, then, you know, I'll, I'll trust her, her sort of barometer and, and you know. Right. <clears throat> so, um, but then when I, we did it and, you know, it, we kind of put it out there a little bit on social media and stuff. Nobody commented so far, because I don't think it's out there that uh, rapidly. Yeah, I think it's still sort of leaking out there still. But most, almost everybody said they thought it was funny and maybe hit it right on the money and, you know, things like this should be, you know, I guess heightened and, and taken in a sort of comedic manner. Um, a couple of my friends who are sort of industry insiders, like filmmakers and just people that are sort of in the entertainment industry, I showed to. And they said they – almost everybody said they loved it. They thought it was hilarious, except there's a couple of things that would be offensive. And these were Jews, by the way. <laughs> well, they should speak so before like, well, Congress, and then they can settle it that well, way. Right. I know, right? I was like, well, you know, your people wrote it, so <laughs> go, put finger, go put the finger at that. Right. Yeah, and I think one, I of the, one of the factors here is, is that it is, uh, it is conceived as a sitcom, and you just do a charming job of playing this terrorist i mean it's uh oh, it, yeah well i mean that's that that, that takes a lot of the I don't, know, I don't know if that was a compliment or an insult uh, no no you're a charming terrorist which is great no no no, I'm kidding, <laughs> I'm I, no I, I what's funny is, is when i read the script <clears throat> i thought the only way to make this funny is just to play it as like as real as possible yeah exactly and with, with yeah. the exception of a couple you know sort of little sticky moments in the end i try to just you know just have fun with the but be like it you know i was a real like you know real situations with my family and my wife and 
So, yeah. um, but everything sort of painted around that was this backdrop of terrorism, and uh, I think that's the brilliance of it. It just kind of lifted the, the face mask of terror off the terror. Right. And, you know, let's face it, not to glorify or, or say anything positive about terrorism, but they have lives. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that, you know, as, as we talked about have wives that... and families and kids and they get like health benefits and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. they have 401k sort of. Right. Um, well, you know, obviously we, we thank you for taking it on. And I know that for yourself, as well as I'm sure for any sort of Muslim American actor, there is, you know, we talked about this some sort of post 9-11, all the rules were for terrorists. And that is not necessarily what you want to do creatively. I know that I think I saw that your role on Sullivan and Son is one of the few Muslim American roles that is not stereotypical, and I think that's great, and I, and I applaud efforts like that. Well, the beauty, the beauty of Sullivan and Son was it was not only one of the few; it was the only. Because mm-hmm. uh, I I sort of dug around and tried to figure out if there was ever a, an actor or an actress on a you know live multicam sitcom right. uh, that was Arab, you know, 100% Arab Muslim playing an Arab Muslim, and there wasn't. So for me, it was kind of like a, a groundbreaking milestone after being in this business and getting my ass kicked for 25 plus years, <laughs> finally getting a platform to just play a regular guy who hangs out in a bar and he drives a tow truck and he's in his 40s and he's trying to date. Right. So it was a stretch. Like those, guys, <laughs> like th- those guys exist. Like I'm that guy. Right. Like they wrote the character loosely based on me, you know, technically. So... Well, so, good. You know, you know, that was a big sort of that was a big springboard for me, and, and I think it was a big springboard for for you know people in Hollywood who were paying attention to the show. That um, and you know and with the help of all these other sort of Middle Eastern comedians that are coming out of the woodworks, and there's you know let's face it, Arabs will always be in the news. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't Excellent. say that with I don't say that with pride. I say that with disdain. But in this you know time of disdain and sort of negative uh, reflection on it comedians and people like myself i'll speak for most comedians that's why we do comedy that's our sort of escapism and trying to find some sort of justice and all our hope with this series and this show is to sort of by going way over the top sort of undercutting the stereotypes that do apply to muslims because Mm -hmm. if everybody thinks that every muslim is a terrorist and this would be their home life and it's so patently absurd um that it, it undermines the whole ability for people to stereotype and you know our goal is to ridicule terrorists all of them as misogynistic uh, a-holes um yeah in a funny way this sort of turns the stereotype on its head because it's uh, because it is so absurd and so impossible but at the same time as you said uh, as you said ahmed that that they have lives they have 401ks and all the rest of it right. so it's um yeah i mean i, th- I think this is actually a, a, a step forward not not a step backward right. in a stereotype. I sure hope so, and I think that, you know, whoever watches this clip, you know, sees the humor in it and can go, okay, like, I mean, I hate to say this, but it would be really funny if, you know, somebody in some sort of terrorist organization saw this and was like, <laughs> you know what, that's pretty damn good, man. <laughs> that would be great. We need a sponsor, and you know what, they got money. Hey, ISIS has plenty of money, right? <laughs> exactly. 
They're like, you know what? They, they were so spot on with everything. But you know what? They uh, they messed up the address. So it's yes, not 227. It's 228. Exactly. I blew up a guy that has a cardiologist friend in L.A. Maybe I can get to walk on. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Listen, Ahmed, I'm sure you, you don't want to, and I don't want to just talk about you know your, your role as a Muslim-American actor and comedian. I actually want to ask you about this event you did, I think, this past weekend with our good friend John Fugelsang, who has contributed a bunch to yeah. Fun Audition. Um, it was a Bill of Rights comedy show. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it was in D.C. Uh, can you tell us a little bit something about that? It's something that I am passionate about coming from the, with a law background, and, and it just looked like a great, great project. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name got thrown in the hat uh, to be a part of an extraordinary lineup of just legendary comedians. Um, and it was at the Warner Theater in D.C. <clears throat> it was called Lewis Black and Friends, uh, My Bill of Rights, Let Freedom Laugh. And he, he didn't host it. He kind of he went up for Sarah Silverman. Uh, they had like a recorded voiceover that she did with the lights down. And then she introduced Lewis Black. He came out for like probably 10 minutes. And then he and just kind of introduced himself and told everybody what was going on tonight. And then... Uh, he came off stage, and then there was an announcer that introduced each comic. Uh, they filmed it for, uh, taped it for Access TV, Mark Cuban's yeah, TV yeah, network. Yeah. They'd have that live at Gotham show and a bunch of other comics. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. So they sold this show to to Access. So they had a whole crew and cameras and cranes and pregame meet and greet and interview. It was 2,000 people, and it was sold out, standing next to Dick Gregory and Tommy Smothers yeah. and Louis Black and John Fugelsang and... Christella Alonzo uh, was there, just got this TV show on, on ABC, and uh, um, Chris Bliss, and uh, who, who was a sort of ex-comic juggler performer, but now is a producer and put this whole thing together. I thought it'd be a great idea with what's going on in the world and people having their amendments, uh, you know, First Amendment and, and Bill of Rights. Uh, Wasn't there some element you know, of it viola- that violated? Yeah. Wasn't there some Sorry? element of it that was about he wanted to put the Bill of Rights like in every state house or something, just like some places want to put the Ten Commandments? Was there some angle of that, or am I getting things confused? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember any comedian uh, referencing that, but who knows? Yeah. I, I was okay. backstage. I was paying attention, like, half of the show. But uh, Okay. But, but it was a really, really cool event. Like, I, I, I never would have guessed in a million years I would, you know, be considered a guy that would get considered for... A show like that so it was fun and it was it was inspiring and i learned a lot just hanging out with all those old you know legendary living legends you know yeah that's why uh that's why i work with tony he's a living <laughs> legend he's not old though he's very young right. i will say this all of those guys know how to party <laughs> <laughs> that's why they want there's a probably one particular bill of rights that they want to make sure they the search and seizure yeah. they want to make sure they can't right. get um, listen, we gotta we gotta wrap up. We gotta do uh, we gotta do our show. Um, is there anything in particular you want to mention? I know you've done this just like us tour, and I think I saw you're trying to do another. But any projects that you like our uh, smart comedy yeah. fans to know about? Well, uh, currently, if you go to my website ahmedahmed.com, uh, I have some dates coming up around the country. I'll be in uh, Richmond, Virginia, coming up, and Kansas City, and. Uh, <clears throat> have some uh, some college dates happening in uh, Long Island and, and Denver, but um, I'm just going kind of going back to the drawing board. Our, our show Sullivan and Son got canceled, so I'm back at the drawing board trying to come up with something new and preparing for you know the next uh, sort of pilot season that's around and and uh, just kind of on tour really and, and and writing. So 
Good. I'm at Ahmed.com if you want to check out any dates that are coming up. It sounds great, and hopefully we will uh, call you to negotiate your deal as a lead of The Secret Diaries of a Terrorist. Absolutely. Episodes. I can't wait. I can't wait for that, Paul. <laughs> all right. As soon as we get that money from the Saudis. <laughs> exactly. From, from uh, all right. Thank you, everyone. We've been talking with Ahmed Ahmed. I knew Brad was the one for me. As soon as I looked at his profile, I saw his bitchin' truck, and he looked bitchin', and he was cool. And Cheryl seemed cool, you know? I told my friend Andrew she looked cool. Why are you gonna bring up Andrew? Andrew's cool. You always bring your friends into it. It's about us. Why have you got me on the rag like 20 days a month? Fuck you, Brad! Oh, here it comes. At OK Stupid... We match people who just aren't very bright. Our questionnaire uncovers the qualities you need for a long-term, codependent relationship from which neither party can escape. Back my phone. Stop being drunk. I will cut you. You'll cut me with my phone. Find that black hole of a relationship you've always dreamed of on OK Stupid. Holy crap! That was uh, Ahmed Ahmed talking with Tony Hendra and myself, Jeff Chrysler, and a couple pieces from the final edition of Radio Hour, which is coming up shortly. Um, you know what? We're out of time. It's good to be back. We'll be back again next week. I'm getting Lee to come drop by. Uh, this has been the final... No, wait. This has been <laughs> Cheater and the Rude on the Progressive Radio Network. I'm Jeff Chrysler. Check me out at jeffchrysler.com k-r-e-i-s-l-e-r twitter Jeff Chrysler, uh, getrichcheating.com thefinalaudition.com and uh, just in your soul have a wonderful day enjoy the blossoming of spring and we'll talk to you soon ba 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 na 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 da 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 da